ahead and lift these up in prayer, and then we'll open up our Bibles. God, thank you for your love and your mercy. Thank you for allowing us to still meet even with poor weather. I ask that you keep us safe, especially everyone that came out this evening, uh, that the roads are clear and that everyone is safe and they even make it home. Thank you for warm homes and warm churches and uh, warm cars that we're able to uh, navigate through um, cold weather and, 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 and bad weather. Uh, Lord, we ask that you would be with our church and be with those that we've lifted up. You would meet these needs and your name would be glorified. Help us as we, as we open up your word and look at a text that we, we would never uh, look at, you know, voluntarily open, but uh, there's a lot of goodness there. May we um, may we find the, um, your glory and be challenged by it. Name your glory, son, we pray. Amen. Okay, so let's go ahead and knock out Genesis 10. Oh, Genesis 11. I've been doing that all day. Uh, Genesis 11. Uh, and so I didn't get the PowerPoint up, and that's okay. Um, so what, I th- what we're going to do is there's essentially two genealogies here. There is the g- general genealogy of Genesis 11 after Tower of Babel. They're starting at verse 10. And then there is um, a more, uh, even a more zeroed-in genealogy. Uh, that is the family line of Abram. So um, how about we read... And I try not to fall asleep while we read his genealogy, but it's still good. Genesis 11, starting verse 10. These are the generations of Shem. When Shem was 100 years old, he fathered Arpachshad two years after the flood. And Shem lived after he, he fathered Arpachshad 500 years and had other sons and daughters. When Arpachshad had lived 35 years, he followed Shelah. Arpachshad lived after he followed Shelah 403 years, had other sons and daughters. When Shelah had lived 30 years, he followed Eber. And Shelah lived after he fathered Eber four and three years, had other sons and daughters. When Eber had lived 34 years, he fathered Peleg. And Eber lived after he fathered Peleg 430 years and had other sons and daughters. When Peleg had lived 30 years, he fathered Ru. Uh, and Peleg lived after he fathered Ru uh, 290 years, had other sons and daughters. And Ru had lived 32 years, he fathered Sereg. And Ru lived after he fathered Sereg 207 years and had other sons and daughters. When Sereg had lived 30 years, he fathered Nair. And uh, Nahor and, and Sarag lived after he followed Nahor 200 years and had other sons and daughters. When Nahor had lived 29 years, he followed Terah. And Nahor lived after he followed Terah 119 years and had other sons and daughters. When Terah had lived 70 years, he followed Abram, Nahor, Nahor and Haran. Um, and we looked at, we read the last last week, and we'll, we'll probably come to it and we'll look at it in some detail. So being that this is a new genealogy, and we've kind of looked at it from you know, 30,000 feet, what I want to do quickly is look at 10 things to pull out of this genealogy uh, worth highlighting. I think that would be the easiest way. Rather than go by name by name, we'll look at some of them. Um, just some broad points to, to make. Um, and my goal is for us to get out early. Um, you know, but uh, if not, oh well. Um, we may just have to spend the night here. I don't know. Uh, first of all, uh, this genealogy is an additional genealogy of Shem. That is to say that this is the second genealogy of Shem. So if you go back to chapter 10, um, chapter 10 is the uh, table of nations. Verse um, 21, you see that to Shem also, the father of all the children of Eber, the elder brother of Japheth, the children were born, the sons of Shem, Elam, Asher, Aparkshad, Lud, and Aram. And so when you come to chapter 11, you get another genealogy of Shem, but now it's through the line of a parkshot. 
Right? So, so we're looking at the great-grandson of Noah. The emphasis is going to be through, through that specific line. So when you think about it, if you have five kids, you're going to have five different lines, right? Yeah, that's, it starts, starts, starts to branch out. So, uh, and the reason, of course, is to, to trace the lineage of, of Abram, which we'll come to that here, here in, in, in a minute. Uh, so we, we want to emphasize Shem, Eber, which, remember, is the uh, etymology of the Hebrews, uh, and then Aparkshad, where we get everyone else. Secondly, um, this genealogy is a contrast to the story of Babel. Um, we'll look at Pele, where, where he, he probably lived during the Tower of Babel years. But the Tower of Babel demonstrates human arrogance, where they try to reach God. We will reach God, and our name will be great. But this is the, the genealogy of a guy named Shem. Shem, his name means name. <laughs> so, so, so the contrast there is um, the descendants of Ham will try to make a name for themselves. The descendants of Name, God will make a name for, for himself and for them. And so when you come down to chapter 12, the promise made to Abraham is, I, God here, will make your Sham great, your name great. As a descendant of Sham, I will do that. And our names become great when God's name is great, right? That, that, that's the thinking. You remember we talked about last week with unity, that Babel wants to make unity through uniformity. One language, one goal, one city, one line, right? Everything, that, that's uniformity. What you have here, eventually through the line of Abram, but starting with Shem, is unity by means of diversity, uh, which is actually the American dream, right? Um, isn't that what's at the Statue of Liberty? Come all, you know, and uh, uh, we, we'll take you in. Uh, the third thing is you'll note there isn't a big emphasis on death. Uh, if, if, if we wanted to, we could go back to Genesis 4 and 5, and, which is even more depressing of a genealogy where it says, uh, so-and-so lives, you know, uh, he, he had children and he died. So-and-so lived, had children, and he died. Here, we don't get that. Uh, the the, the each of them die, of course, but the emphasis isn't on their death. Instead, uh, we see life and expansion. So-and-so um, raised so-and-so who raised so-and-so, and they lived so many years. So the other, it's they died after so many years. They live for, for this many years. And you also notice that the length of their lives is decreasing rather rapidly. Uh, Noah lived for 950 years. Can you imagine the Social Security on that? Uh, 950 years. His son Shem is 600 years. Quite the contrast. There, I don't think there was very many prior to Noah that lived only 600 years. Uh, a Parksad lived 438. Shelah 433. Uh, Eber 464. Peleg 239. So a drop of over 200 years. Uh, Ru for 239. Sarah for 230. Nahor 148. Terah, 205, and Abraham, 175. So within these generations from Noah to Abraham, we go from living 950 years to 175 years. It's incredible. Um, and everyone has their reasons for it. I, I don't think it's, it's point. It's, I don't think it's necessary for us to chase those rabbits. Um, but, but nevertheless, um, fourth thing here is the age of fatherhood. Uh, you'll notice if, if you go through here... Um, our park shod was 35 years. He followed Shelah, verse 30, uh, 14. Uh, Shelah was 30, followed Eber. Eber, 34 years, followed 
Peleg, Peleg, 30 years, Father Ru, Ru, 32 years, Father Sereg, Sereg was 30 years, Father Nahor, Nahor, 29 years, right? You think about it, uh, these guys are living for hundreds of years and they're fathered by their 20s, early 30s. We are now living to 80 years and, and we're pushing fatherhood and, um, and motherhood and marriage to this time frame. I think the average man is getting married around 29, 30. It's not good. It's not good at all. Just biologically, it's not good. Um, it's, it's different when you give birth at 24 than 34. It just is. You know? um, but uh, notice here, um, verse 25, when Terah had lived 70 years, he fathered three sons, Abram, Nahor, and Haran. Now, it's debated. Was he 70 after all were born, or was he 70 when the first was born? I don't know. And the text doesn't say, that's not really the point for us to be specific. One of the things we need to see here is this sets up the Abraham narrative. The Abraham narrative is that he cannot conceive like his father. And so as Abram is a type of promised son, right? It's a gift to Terah. So too will be Ishmael and Isaac. Um, so that, that sets that up. Um, fifthly, this genealogy completes the line from Adam to Noah, from Noah to Shem, Shem to Abraham. Um, this may not seem significant, but in the broad picture it is, because this is what Luke does. If you read Luke's genealogy, so Matthew, Matthew starts with Abraham. Right? So, Jesus, so the very first verse of Matthew is um, something like, Jesus Christ was the son of David and Abraham. You know, that's it's more to it, but that's basically it. And then you get the genealogy, emphasizing Abraham to David, David to Jesus. Right? We we spent like three, four weeks on it over in December. Luke starts with Jesus, so starts in the present, works his way back. Matthew starts from the past and works his way to the present. So Luke emphasizes sonship and he goes all the way down to Adam. So Jesus then is the son of David, the son of Abram, the son of Shem, the son of Noah, the son of Adam. So this is significant. So in the first 11 chapters, you have an entire genealogy that will, that will be picked up with Jesus, um, uh, at least up, up to Abraham. Sixthly, there is a pattern of three sons. We've talked about this some, so I don't want to belabor it. Adam had three sons, Cain, Abel, and Seth. Noah had three sons, Ham, Sham, and Japheth. Terah had three sons, uh, Abraham, Nahor, and Haran. Abraham basically had three descendants. I think we're pushing here. There's Isaac, then there's Jacob, and then there is the storyline of Judah slash Joseph. Judah's going to be the main one, but the story is really centered on Joseph. So after Abraham, you get three storylines of three sons, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. Uh, it's just fascinating, the symmetry of, of the Bible. Seventhly, the genealogy of Shem concludes the preceding narrative that, that it, the genealogy of Shem, this passage, is a bridge between the preceding narrative, creation, fall, flood, Babel, and it opens and introduces the next narrative, the uh, story of Abraham and his immediate descendants. So it's, it's a real bridge, and this is the pattern in Genesis. We'll see this, is it chapter 25? Yeah, chapter 25, we get the genealogy of Ishmael, and that is the bridge between the story of Abraham and the story of Isaac. Uh, so... Uh, it's, it's significant. Um, chapter 36, we get the genealogy of Esau, which concludes the story of Jacob, and then it introduces the story of Joseph. So in Genesis, at least, these genealogies are bridges. It, it closes out one chapter and opens up 
the next. It's a good transition. Um, eighthly, um, I think we need to see here a God is calling order out of chaos. Um, since creation, this is what God has done with creation. Go all the way back to the second verse of the Bible. You remember that there is um, the Spirit hovers over the earth and it's water. And um, um, what we get there is God calls uh, creation out of that, basically. Right? And so we, we, that's been the pattern. That's what the story of the flood is. You have the chaos of creation. What does God pull out of that is a new creation, a new Adam. So to what you have here is you have Babel, right? And everyone is dispersed out of that false unity. And what is God calling out of that? He's calling out of one who will bless the nations who are now dispersed. So, so yes, it is a genealogy, but it's a zeroing in on a specific line that God will use to bless the nations he has now dispersed. So it's, again, God, God bringing order out of chaos. And, and this is, I think, made clear in that Abraham is a pagan. He is a pagan. We often think that, you know, everyone else in, in the ancient Near East this time are pagans except this one guy named Abram, born of Terah. He was a good guy, right? It's kind of the way we read the Noah story. Uh, which probably isn't true. It's, it's hard to tell. But Joshua 24, 2 says, um, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Long ago your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates. Terah, the father of Abraham and of Naor, they served other gods. So a God is calling Abraham out from among the nations to then bless the nations. Well, that's the story of Jesus, right? He calls Jesus uh, to the nations, from Israel to the nations. It was always the, the point of Israel. Um, so uh, this is what makes some of the, the themes in, in, in gospel so surprising. Jesus talking to the Samaritan woman, uh, ministering to the Greeks, stuff like that, uh, because Jesus is sent to the nations. Um, so, so God is calling order out of chaos. Ninthly, we get uh, the regional setting has changed. Now, this is a minor point, but I find this fascinating. Genesis 1 uh, verse 1 to Genesis 11, verse 9, up to Tyre, Babel. The center is what we would call Babylon. Okay? It's Babel, but it's Babylon for our purposes. Then, briefly, it's in Palestine. That is in the rest of chapter 11. Okay? The rest of the story is, uh, or, or I'm sorry, it's in Palestine from chapter 11, verse 10, all the way to chapter 36, the story of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. In chapter 37 to 50, it's in Egypt. Well, that's significant because in each scene, God is expelling people out of the land. Adam and Eve are expelled from Eden. Abraham is expelled from Ur. Joseph is expelled from Palestine. When you get to Exodus, what's the story? We're still in Egypt, but isn't God is expelling people out? He's redeeming people into a land, which is the promised land. Because, because if you want symmetry, we'll talk about this more probably next week. God makes a promise to Abraham. I'm going to be a blessing to you among the nations. Trust me. What does Abraham do? I'm hungry. There's a famine. Let's go to Egypt. Well, that's what's going to happen to his great-grandkids. They're hungry. They go down to Egypt. And Abraham ends up being a curse to the Pharaoh there. And God brings plagues down on Pharaoh. Well, that story sounds familiar. It's what's going to happen generations, hundreds of years later with the story of Moses. So, so you have Abraham is expelled into Egypt. And the generations later, they are redeemed out of Egypt. 
It's fascinating the, the, the parallels that we get there. Um, finally, tenthly, um, God makes a name for himself. We've already talked about this. Genesis 11.4, they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed face the earth. Um, it's easier to see if, if I had the PowerPoint. Remember, and then we get a genealogy about name. And in Genesis 12, 2, I will make you, Abraham, a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, and that you will be a, you will be a blessing. So there you go. So that's 10 things. Let me briefly, um, I'm going to cut this short. Um, I think I'm getting a migraine, so I, I'm going to cut this short. Um, let's briefly look at these names um, in his genealogy. Shem means name. We talked about that. Or Pakshad there in verse 10 and 11. Probably a foreign name. Has a variety of meanings. It's fascinating. If it's a foreign name, what, what happened there? Right? The, the grandson of Noah? What does it mean to be foreign? Right? I, don't, I don't know. Um, verse 12 to 14. Shelah means sprout. Do with that whatever you want. Eber, where we get the Hebrews, is the region beyond. Remember that Abraham is a sojourner. That's the idea. He's, he's a sojourner in the land. He's taking possession of the land that isn't his and won't be until generations later. Um, Peleg means division. Um, this is significant because in First Chronicles one nineteen it says, Unto Eber was born two sons. The name of the one was Peleg because in his days the earth was divided and his brother's name was Joktan. Peleg means divided. So the assumption is it was in his generation or in the generation of his father that Babel happened. Now, some think it, it means some other division, you know, earthquakes or something like that. Um, but I think the more popular option is um, uh, this right here. So uh, the Tower of Babel. Verse 18 to 20, uh, Ru means friend. Sereg means branch. Nahor means breathing hard or snorting. Something tells me his wife renamed him after they got married. That is just my guess. Um, he is Abraham's grandfather. Can you imagine? Uh, you go see Pawpaw Snort. Right? <laughs> you know, I had Pawpaw Bill and Pawpaw Baker. Because one, his first name was Bill. The other one's last name was Baker. You know, that was it. Pawpaw Snort. Um, uh, Terah means station. Abram means exalted father. Which, the, the, the irony is, he's not a dad. and won't be a dad for a long time. And God almost mocks him, says, you're going to be a father. You're going to be an Abram, an exalted father. And he's thinking, i got to have a boy. i got to have a kid. You know, and um, Naor means snorting. We already talked about that. So that would be the grandson of Naor is named Nahor. Haran means mountaineer. Um, I believe this is the first reference to this, or one reference worth highlighting. It's, it's, it comes from the same word as mountains in Genesis 8, 24. The ark rested in the seventh month on the 17th day of the month upon the mountains, the Haran of Ararat. Do with that whatever you want. That's just a free, free nugget. Well, um, um, I said I'm, I'm, we can do the rest next week. Let's just do that because uh, I want to talk about Abraham. Um, yeah, I'm having a hard time seeing. So, um, okay, so we're going to call it there. Um, I can barely see what's in front of me. I think I'm getting a migraine. So um, let's call it a night. Um, hope it wouldn't waste y'all's trip out here. Uh, but if you're going to, this, this, these temperatures have been doing this.
and we went from flooding weather Monday to snow weather today. And that didn't help. And so that's a trigger for me. Okay, so why does all this matter? Well, I, if nothing else, the order out of chaos, God makes his name great, and we see the story of redemption out of evil. So the Tower of Babel is similar to the uh, Nephilim story, where in the middle of all of that human evil, God sends redemption. First in an ark, here in Abram, and then what is it we're going to find ultimately? It is in Christ. We're at the cross. So today's devotion, Mark 15, was, was, uh, was the cross. What is it we find? We have all this evil around the cross. Yet right there in the middle, in the midst, is God himself bringing redemption. That's the good news of, of the gospel. So, uh, and this is the ancestors of Jesus. So, all right, let's go ahead and pray, and uh, we'll finish the rest next week. So, so I would say sorry has been so short, but I know no one is disappointed. <laughs>